Brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, you are the Christ. Then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this, he turned around and looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, But whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. The gospel of the Lord. So probably one of the worst things for someone like me who has ADD is Twitter. There's probably a, a lot of things that are a lot of reasons that we could discuss that Twitter's bad for everybody, with or without ADD, but let me keep focused because I have ADD. Anyway, one of the reasons it's so bad for me is how quickly I will click links that will take me to stories that infuriate me, distract me, make me feel stupid that I clicked it in the first place, like the, the clickbait stuff. You know, like, you're never going to believe what this actor from Seinfeld did when they were in high school. And then you find it's some character that was on one episode and he was a busboy or something, you know. Like, oh, great, I needed that knowledge in my life. But every once in a while, Twitter will prove its value to me. I'll see something that I doubt I would have encountered anywhere else and actually gets me thinking about something. And the other night was one of those times. There was a headline that said, 29 crucial events that divided people's lives into before and after. Of course, my first thought was, couldn't they think of one more and round it up to 30? But anyway, the headline was provocative enough to get me to click it. And it was a slideshow, which normally I hate because of all the pop-ups that come with that. But I confess, I I clicked through every one of them because they were all pretty fascinating. The first one was this United States Marine and his wife on their wedding day with a quote saying, the best day of my life after months of waiting to see him again before he was deployed or coming back from his deployment. That was followed by all kinds of extremes, two friends in a hospital room posing together with the words, on New Year's Day, my best friend received a kidney that he'd waited 18 years for, and today he's coming home. Then there was another one, the little girl holding a puppy with the headline saying, best present ever, and no, we're not gonna talk about me getting a dog. (laughs) Not going there. 
And then there was a mother with two pictures of her holding her baby on the day of her birth and then three months later explaining, my daughter was born three months earlier due to an infected placenta, but she managed to cope with all the challenges and became a healthy baby, and that was the day they were going home. And then the final one that I I saw before I clicked off was a man with two pictures of himself saying, as of today, I'm four years clean from drugs. I have a career, I have a house, a dog, and a fiance. And you saw the, the before and after picture, and it was, it was such a stark difference between the two. And you get the idea. It, it was interesting and inspiring to see all these, these different images and these little anecdotes where, in effect, you could recognize how life truly changed on a particular day or because of certain events or with a person saying something or completing something. And we've all had those types of experiences that maybe we don't even think about too deeply. But if you do, you can see how those are true. How those moments were life-changing between the world of before and after they occurred. Maybe you can remember when your parents told you that you were going to be a big brother or a big sister. Maybe you were going to be moving to a new town or a new school. And that was going to completely change your world. You've all had the shared experience of hearing, congratulations, you've graduated from high school and you've been accepted to Montclair State University. Oftentimes in that moment, we don't realize how life-changing these things are for each one of us. I was thinking about that. I wonder if St. Peter realized what a big deal this particular day was going to be. How prepared was he to say what it was that he said? And did he recognize that what he said is going to change his life into a before and after as well? He had spent years with Jesus. And over that time, something clicked. There, there was some recognition deep within that, that experience from meeting Jesus to hearing him preach to witnessing some of Jesus' miracles. And then ultimately to when he actually knew who Jesus was. Now, this one day wasn't the first time Peter or the other disciples, for that matter, had thought about who Jesus was. That had been a question that was probably in the front and center the first time they met him to this very day, to this very encounter. So when Jesus throws that question out, who do people say that I am and who do you say that I am? He was moving them from beyond this theoretical, philosophical discussion And was acknowledging that there was already a whole variety of perceptions that people had, all of which associated with him some of the greatest men in Jewish history. John the Baptist, Elijah, a prophet. And now he turns to these, his his closest friends, his most loyal of followers, his disciples. And he says, you've left everything behind. You left behind your lives, your livelihoods. And after all this time, after all that you've seen and hear, who do you say that I am? For Peter, this is a, a moment of decision. Does he dare utter something that has been unsaid, unspoken, that would even have been considered heretical to some? Does he give voice to the hopes and dreams of, of humanity that there is a God who who loves us so intimately, so definitively that he becomes one of us and is right there in their midst, a close personal friend of theirs? Does he realize that the commitment, the dramatic 
change of life that he's going to experience in uttering those four words, you are the Christ. Almost immediately, the the weight of saying that and the meaning are are, are clearly seen. Peter is, is forever changed in that utterance. He's now stood out from all the other disciples and the other apostles. This declaration, this realization is going to bring greater responsibility. Those declarative words saying, Jesus is not just a great man, but the Christ carries this enormity with it. He's the Son of God. And when you recognize that and you say that, it changes everything. Because just saying that is more than just some factual utterance. It's not like you're looking at me and saying, like, you're a white guy. Or that's just an observation, you know. Or your hair is thinning and you're getting old. That's just me, you know. I mean, Peter's declaration is saying something with the eyes of faith. And whether he recognized it or not, his life changes with this into a before and an after. Peter has to live differently now. And that's why that smackdown that he experiences just a few moments later is is so swift and so necessary. Because on the surface, you look at it and you see Peter's pleading with his good friend Jesus, hearing Jesus predict these awful things that are about to occur, that Jesus is going to be rejected, that he's going to be attacked, that he's going to be persecuted, that he's going to be tortured and killed. And Peter's heart's in the right place. He's like, that's not going to happen to you. It's going to, we'll, we'll be there. I'll be there. We're not going to let that happen to you. But those are the words of a friend to another friend. Those are the words of part of the world that Peter has left behind in the world of before his declaration. And now that he's recognizing Jesus as the Christ, that means Jesus is God. And if Jesus is Christ, he doesn't need someone as well-intentioned or otherwise as he might be, distracting him from his true purpose to save humanity from sin and death, to take on the suffering of the entire world in order to redeem the whole world. That's what the Christ is here to do. Peter has seen that Jesus isn't just a great man saying and doing some great things. And he's not just a prophet. He's the only man who will ultimately matter in the history of humanity. And so Peter's recognition of who Jesus is, his declaration of Jesus being the Christ, demands that he follow him even more wholeheartedly, realizing that no one else deserves that kind of attention as well. For you and I, it's, it's great that we're here on a Sunday night to, to celebrate this Eucharist, and thank you for, for making that choice and making that decision. Because most likely there was, a before, there was a before and after for all of you to get here. For most of us, we didn't have a choice on when we decided we were going to become Catholic Christians. Our parents had us baptized. We were, we were raised in the Catholic faith. You might have heard, I hope you heard in CCD or confirmation class, that at confirmation, you're in a sense taking ownership of that decision that was made for you. But how deep what that reality means to each of us individually is almost a, a personal and intimate decision that each of us has to make. And that's why St. James's words in that second reading are, are so powerful. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? St. James is, is saying that by our doing works of mercy, of taking care of the sick and the poor and the suffering and, and the dying, or by our, our public expressions of prayer, that we're not saying we're buying our way into heaven, that we're proving that we're good followers of Jesus. He's saying that when we do those things, 
It reflects how our decision to follow Jesus has changed our perspective, that we see the world very differently, that those aren't just nice things or extra things, but rather a priority as someone who has experienced Christ and is living in that afterworld. The great thing is that wherever we might find ourselves in life right now, in our faith life, Jesus poses to us that same question and that same challenge that he put to the apostles. Who do we say that he is? May we contemplate the the seriousness of the demands and experience the joy and the change and transformation which divides our lives into a before and after that comes in seeing him and declaring him to be the Christ. Yeah. <laughs>